On Jaw Moron podcast, I'm Anthony Irwin. <laughs> we are paying. Oh, <laughs> that game just ended. Yes, <laughs> he's so freaking good. He's so yeah, good. Yeah, he's really. Deep. I I yeah. I haven't. I was sitting in my living room by myself, eating chicken wings. Which, by the way, I found two new loves in my life: the Cajun flavoring at Wingstop is a good one. And John Morant is is John Morant, whatever. Where, those are my two new loves of my life. Sorry, Jen. Sorry, <laughs> Callie. Um, but he was making me giggle to myself. Like he was just passes that he was making and reads he was making. And 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 look, that's like best case scenario for him. It was like the perfect game for him to play. But wow, that was incredible. No, he's a stud. I mean, I, I'm just getting into the draft and all of that, but he's a guy I've, you know, caught a little bit on highlights, but this is the first time I watched him in a full game. And you see a lot more when you see a guy like that. And what's really impressive about him is he's kind of ambidextrous. He's yeah. great passer. He's passer. whipping skip passes with his left hand. He's got great vision and having those th- two things together. Mike Schmidt's actually just tweeted this. I was like, Oh, I was going to say that. Um, <laughs> Trey Young, very similar type of guy who is able to make these really high velocity and accurate passes with both hands. Yeah. Really rare at this age. Yeah. And then, but he does not have like the pull up jumper. That's a, not a weakness. And he's an 81% free throw shooter, which usually pretends well mm-hmm. for how three point shooting translates to the NBA, but he's not a, not a great three point shooter like, like Trey is, or at least have that, you know, out to 30 feet type of range. Right. But he does have that elite athleticism both in terms of speed and quickness so like that type of intelligence with ambidexterity if that's even a word and and then uh that type of athleticism on top of it man that's just an awesome combo he's the guy he reminded me of the most and it's not there's just something about his explosiveness. He's not even like the stylistically the same, but he reminded me of Dwayne Wade when I saw Wade in the tournament and even before when he was at Marquette, just in like, there's just this explosiveness, this energy, this holy crap, this guy type <laughs> yeah. thing to him. That is just a ton of fun to watch. He, uh, he had that dunk on that poor soul who tried to rotate over from the weak side. And it was like, it was the kind of dunk you could kind of see coming. Like, you knew he was going to dunk it, and you knew that he was going to dunk it on somebody. But then for him to bring the ball back behind his head the way he did, and then for that poor, that, for that poor guy to, like, just have everything up in his face, it was just, it was incredible. And it made me, again, it made me guffaw. Like, I was just, <laughs> I just laughed really hard. Today's show, uh, in case you haven't noticed, Pete and I are both, we were, we both spent good portions of the day or a chunk of our day watching March Madness. Today is the first day we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon evening. Uh, it's the first day of March Madness, if we aren't counting those stupid playing games. And uh, we basically... We're going to talk about what Lakers fans, how Lakers fans should approach March Madness. Uh, A caveat to this entire show is that neither Pete 
nor I have done very much research on on players in particular, though we do know, I think, uh, what types of players the Lakers need, what what types of situations the Lakers might be getting themselves ready for. Um, And so this is kind of an introduction for us as much as it's an introduction uh, for you guys to this portion of, of the season or the year. Uh, I, I, I gotta say, I was hoping I wouldn't have to worry about that this year. I can't lie. Yeah. Uh, but you know, here we are. So what we're going to do is in segment one, uh, after the, the John Morant, uh, introdu- introduction that we had, uh, we are going to very, very briefly talk about different scenarios, different things that the Lakers could do, whether or not they should keep the pick, trade away the pick, all that stuff. That'll be segment one or whatever we have left here of segment one. Segment two, we'll get into the kinds of players that that the Lakers kind of sort of need, weaknesses in the roster. The approach to drafting those players in and of itself is a little different given the situation that the Lakers are are heading into this offseason. And then finally, we'll get into some names and some teams to pay attention to as this tournament really gets rolling, though. So a ton to get to, as you can probably tell. Let's dive into first. Pete, do you think the Lakers should keep their pick? It always depends. Um, And right now they currently uh, stand at 10th. Mm -hmm. And so let's just assume for the sake of argument that this is where they end up. That's they end up with the 10th pick in the draft. I think that more likely than not, that it would be moved. And I actually would agree with that in most instances. There are a couple of guys, and like you said, I have not, I don't have a depth of knowledge on this, but I have had some like first impression type of guy. I really like DeAndre Hunter. I think he's Mm -hmm. a guy that, you know, is probably moving up boards and might not be there at 10 ultimately, but he's a guy that I really like. There are a couple of guys in that area that I like, but I don't think that the timeline sinks up us drafting a 19 20 year old kid even if he ends up being a good player in a couple of years like the whole point of what we're trying to do yeah the whole thing that we're trying to do is build a championship team around lebron james after you know ideally getting a second max guy over the course of this summer and being able to hit the ground running starting next year now after this season it's it's hard to even get that sentence out of my mouth right like it's like how about let's be good first yeah but We all know that that's the plan. So they need to pursue that plan. And the timeline just doesn't sync up with that pick. Now, you don't give something like that away for free. You don't give young assets away for free. Although the Lakers do more often than I wish they did. But but to me, like, I (laughs) I would rather move that pick for a guy who's solid and can play now. Now there's a, you know, there's a line on that where I wouldn't go below this caliber type of player, but I do think that that would serve this team a little bit better. Do you see it similarly? Or are you in more of a long-term let's build slow and strong type of, you know what, man, I keep going back and forth on this. I could answer this question completely differently tomorrow. <laughs> you know, sure. Uh, yeah. The thing, the thing that has really made me, wishy-washy on this subject has been LeBron's age and like him missing a quarter of the season this year terrifies me like legit yeah it it it, it used to be like it used to be if he was fully healthy and we saw a a more dominant LeBron James more often than we saw him this year then I'd say all right fine but he said he was going into playoff mode and it was like it looked a lot like non-playoff mode. <laughs> yeah, you know? man. It, like LeBron's still a great player. I'm not sure he's still like 
completely change everything about the direction of your franchise type of grade yeah. anymore. What I said regarding trading the pick, like that's based on what I think and almost know what their perspective is mm-hmm. of wanting to take a shortcut and skip ahead. If yeah. I were to rule the Lakers, yeah. I would. Those are two very, very different things. Trying to, yeah, like I, I would want to keep that pick, and I, I think that. One of the things that organizations do, like good organizations do, is you kind of gear things toward the strengths of your organization. And one of the strengths of this organization is the scouting department. And I would like them to have a crack at a number 10 pick because maybe you get a top five player in this draft yeah. with that number, uh, that number 10 pick. And so, like, I would love the idea of building slow and building strong. And LeBron's great. I, I hope we get a second guy, max guy this summer. I also don't feel inclined to, like change everything because of it i just know that's not the reality that we're operating in yeah yeah what what the lakers should do and what the lakers will do are two hugely different things right now hugely different and that's not now look when i say something like that when you and i say stuff like that that's not to say that we know we are smarter than lakers executives that's Mm -hmm. not it at all it's just that you know the way that you and i approach building a team is very different from the way that Magic Johnson and Rob Polinka seem to, right? And and what we would do isn't necessarily what they isn't what they would do. And and, and there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? Like it's yeah, they can, they can totally be successful with this. Although early returns are not exactly encouraging. What do you think that phrase came from? Like who was the yeah? First I was just as I was saying that, <laughs> think of another analogy. Yeah. Like, what what's an alternate? And because uh, <laughs> there's like multiple ways to tie a shoe, yeah. right? Like why are you? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but like, why why is there? Why who's out there? It's like, all right, this cat needs to be skinned. Multiple ways to do it. right, <laughs> and who's and how is that such a common thing that it becomes the standard thing yeah. when you want to convey that concept to where people are like, oh yeah, totally, there are more than one way to skin a cat. Is, Everyone knows that. This is just now our vernacular. It's part of our vernacular now, and it, and like cats everywhere are sitting out there. Like, well, no wonder they look like they hate us all the time. We've we're thinking of we're conceiving <laughs> multiple ways to kill them. <laughs> all right, and skin them. That seems unnecessary. Right, right. Yeah, as so I was saying it, I was like, yeah, oh well, I'm already committed. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick second here, figure out the mer- the various ways to skin a cat. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the, the approach, if they do keep the pick, the approach that we think that they should take. So be back here in a second. Today's show is brought to you in part by DraftKings. Did you know you could fill out a tourney bracket with DraftKings this year? That's right. DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, has a totally free bracket with tens of thousands of dollars up for grabs. Everyone fills out a bracket during the tournament. Might as well do it on an award-winning app with tons of free prizes. For the first time ever, DraftKings is offering a bracket battle promotion with $64,000 in prizes. Uh, I personally have Tennessee, Duke, North Carolina, and Gonzaga in the tournament going to the Final Four. But hey, do you. You know how brackets work. Uh, before the tournament, pick out the winner of every game, every round. That's all there is to it. And use the promo code DRIBBLE so you can do this for free. You can even set up a private group for you and your friends and compete for bragging rights. So download the DraftKings app or head to DraftKings.com now. Use code DRIBBLE to enter the bracket battle promotion for, for free and compete for your share of $64,000. That's code DRIBBLE to enter the bracket battle for free only at DraftKings. The game inside the game. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. For detail. I just wish one of us owned a cat. So like in the background, he's like, you know, I used 
I used to too. I used to on a camera. I used but, to. You know, it's funny. It my, we. <laughs> I'm wearing my cat actually right now. Yes. Um, <laughs> my uh, my cat, by the time that she passed away, uh, was like seven pounds. She was just skin and bones by the time she was going. Mm-hmm. We had just gotten Callie, who weighs about like 60, 65 or so. And mm-hmm. our cat, Oreo, did not have uh, claws in her front paws. And it was mm-hmm. probably for the best. Because she used to box the living crap out of our 65-pound dog. <laughs> it was great. Um, all right. So what we're going to do now, we're going to talk a little bit about the 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 way that the Lakers should approach uh, this draft. And, and honestly, too, the way a lot of smart teams are approaching these drafts. Like a lot of teams are kind of looking at older players and saying – you know, there's a better chance we have that player for the prime of their careers. Uh, you had made that point on a previous show, and then and then you and I, and I believe Sam, had a bit of a back and forth on that on uh, Twitter. Why don't you go ahead and, and, and explain a little bit why drafting upperclassmen is turning into a bit of a market uh, inefficiency here? Just because there's some degree of uh, that guy's more ready to play, and it, depending on the program that they come from, they're is a certain degree of player development that can happen in college that doesn't always happen in the NBA. And now I think that overall the NBA is actually better at developing talent than colleges, especially at the bigger programs. I, I think that going to your Dukes and your Kansases and places like that is more beneficial to a player in terms of showcasing them. You're going to be on national TV. You're going to obviously be a high seed in the tournament, all of that. But in terms of improving your craft, I don't think those programs are necessarily built for that. But in some instances, like Villanova is a program where I think Jay Wright, who, by the way, would be a nice target oh God, if be so they fire Luke Walton. Um, he's really good at developing players at helping players improve their skill set, getting them better. I think he's a really good match with a team that has a lot of young players. So guys like that can come into the league and be ready to go. Josh Hart is a guy like that right now. He's been playing on one leg, but I think we've seen the type of player that he is. He's always been the easiest to project on a contender stylistically in terms of like the, the, the way that he plays and understanding certain concepts um, and just being kind of like a solid dude overall. So I think that's the main benefit that you get. And that is more aligned with where the Lakers are right now than drafting another 19-year-old who's going to be like awesome when he's 23, but LeBron's like 40 years old at that point, and it doesn't matter. The other thing, too, is contractually, it's when you draft a kid when he's 19 – he goes through oh, his yeah, first he, he goes through his first 4 years and you have to make a really difficult decision on somebody before you really know necessarily what they're going to be and right. and so like you're looking at it we already saw it with Julius Randle uh though that decision was made a lot more difficult by the Lakers just being stupid um in that respect I don't think the Lakers are stupid uh but but the we're seeing it we're going to see that soon with Brandon Ingram and and while we have seen flashes from Ingram, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable paying him what I think the market might decide that it 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 seems feasible to pay him. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and so with with when you draft a you know a twenty two or twenty three year old, you have those four years, and you get to when they're twenty six, twenty seven, and when they have to actually get paid, well. 
I can I, I know a little bit more what I'm actually paying for at that point. The whole one and done rule was really to benefit both college and the NBA, where the NBA teams prior to that were drafting guys. And sure, we remember our Garnets and our Kobe's mm-hmm. and Tracy McGrady's and all of that. But there are a lot of other dudes yeah. that we don't don't remember their names, but they were like I remember Felipe Lopez was a guy way back in the day that was <laughs> on the cover of Sports Illustrated, right? Yeah. And then he went to St. St. John's and he wasn't very good as a freshman. He stayed for all four years, if I remember correctly, and ended up being a second round pick who never did much in the NBA. So it's kind of a protection for the the NBA teams. Like yeah. Nazir Little is a guy out of U, uh, University of North Carolina that was in contention for the top pick, considered to be at least before this year, and he's had a rough year and hasn't had a ton of minutes at, at UNC. But he's no longer that type of guy. Like the NBA wants to have some sort of protection, yeah. and then the NCAA would like at least one year of these absolute star guys like Zion Williamson, who could totally have just skipped altogether and yeah. gone straight to the NBA. Yeah, it's it was they they tried to play it off as hey this is a protection for the player but it was always protection for the owner. These tend yes. these things decisions like that tend to be like the salary cap is something that uh, this is a quick tangent but the salary cap has nothing to do whatsoever with parity. Nothing. It's it's, it's so that owners don't have to pay through the ass for a great team. Yeah. No, that's it. That's absolutely, that's absolutely. And then like, what are you protecting players from in the the one and done rule? Like save that 18 year old from making millions of dollars. Like that would be terrible for them. Right. Come on. Right. It's, it's always funny to hear that too, because there's this thinking that by, by like, if that player goes pro gets that first contract and they make, you know, like you said, I think the, a top five draft pick makes in their first contract about what? 20? No. 18 million over the first first four years. Oh, it's more than that now. Like, yeah, I think Lonzo made like 7.7 million this year after making five. So it's, it's more than that now. So this idea, so, all right, we're going down this road. If you're, if you're Uh, going to college, this idea, so it's, it's kind of a, a meta conversation, but if you're, I went to college, not for a degree per se, but for options, right? You go to college for options. What mm-hmm. better way is there to have options in America than having twenty million plus in your bank account? There is no way. <laughs> right. I mean, you could always go back to college with that exactly. money too if you wanted. And if you, you manage it. your money poorly, like like that's it's it's part of our rights, I think, to like make mistakes and bad decisions. You yeah. know, like I would I would love for that rule to be eliminated and for there to be a strong program in place of teaching these guys how to invest their money. And like, yeah. I would be totally fine if that was a requirement yeah. of it, right? Like if you really care about these guys, yeah. teach these guys about the, these different concepts, about the different jobs that there are to help you invest your money, to help you build something that's sustainable. So you're not broke with, at the end of your professional career. But that also speaks to the idea that that's not really what the motivation is because they could totally do that. And even have that come out. I bet the players union would totally support yeah, that and have that. Absolutely. Like there'd be a pool to pay for that and it wouldn't be all that expensive. Um, and you know, but again, that's, it speaks to the fact that that's not really where they're coming from in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. There's a story that I know just from, from contacts with the Blazers, uh, they drafted Jermaine O'Neal right out of high school. And mm-hmm. when he was drafted, uh, again, he was he was a pretty early draft pick, if I remember correctly. He came, I believe, also straight out of high school, and moved. He was same draft as Kobe. I think he was the 16th or 17th pick in that draft. Yeah, so he was so he was so you know mid first round. So he gets drafted uh, in the first round, 
goes up to Portland, had never been away from his mom, ever. He had never been away from his mom uh, at all. And uh, the head of PR for the Blazers gets a call from Jermaine O'Neal's landlord. And he says, hey, man, uh, we haven't gotten a single payment for anything from Jermaine O'Neal. Nothing. Not rent, Mm -hmm. utilities, anything. Cable. And he and and they said like the only reason we're reaching out is because we know he has the money, right? Like he, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. We he know, has a job. He is employed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we know. We know that he can. And then the other thing too, they said is that like there's a weird smell coming from his uh, from his apartment. And so this person who I know was working with the, the with the uh, Blazers back then goes and visits Jermaine at, at the apartment, walks in, and there are pizza boxes stacked to the ceiling. You know, and it was just it was just this kid who had never been away from from his mom, uh, who didn't know how to operate in in the adult world because of that. Wow. And and so what they wound up doing is they flew Jermaine O'Neal's mom in. She wound up living with uh, O'Neal for a year or so. They taught him how to exist in the adult world and they talked him through that. And and that was something like. I've been surprised how few examples there are like that where the team like actually went so far as to help out Jermaine. A, a, this, in this case, it's Jermaine O'Neal. There are others, ex- other examples where they didn't do anything. They just said, well, you know, you're an adult now. Figure it out. It's wild. And really, that's just protecting your investment, right? Honestly, is. this is – there's a conversation to be had about D'Angelo Russell along these lines. Yeah. Like because the Russell is immature stuff did not – come from a vacuum it wasn't wrong yeah right but there were a lot of things like you know like dude getting busted in a casino underage right you know or just like remember doing Bynum parked in in a uh, handicap spot right which isn't to say no i don't want to act like these guys are completely helpless and yeah but but if you're a team and you have – and NBA contracts are guaranteed, yeah. you have tens of million dollars invested in 18, 19, 20-year-old guys, like have some infrastructure in place that's going to cost you a couple hundred thousand dollars a year yeah. to be able to protect your investment. Even if you don't give a crap about the players at all, protect your investment. It just seems like smart organization. Think, think about think about the, the return on the investment the Nets are getting compared to what the Lakers got from D'Angelo Russell. And that's oh, just sure. they've 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 he has said that they helped him mature. They helped him rethink his approach to the game and stuff. And and that's where, you know, it's funny that it's funny that the, the Lakers had the criticism that they had of Luke Walton where they said that, you know, we're, we're they, they they reported or they leaked out that they were frustrated that Luke was uh never added anybody to help with learning the ropes of being an NBA head coach, right? And I'm like you know, you guys could have you you could have helped with the, in this respect, right? It and cuts it's both this, ways, yeah. Yeah, it's it's the same kind of thing where you know it's like a team getting frustrated that they drafted an 18, 19 year old kid and that kid's immature. Well, it, you, know, you could kind of help in this respect. Anywho, yeah. that that went a, a different direction. When we come back, we're going to actually yeah, talk. Sorry. about No, it's it's fine with me. This time of year, we we need all the help we can get. Uh, we are yes. going to uh, when we come back though, we're going to talk a little bit about. You know, the type of player that the Lakers should look into and then maybe a little bit of, of name kind of stuff. Uh, and and there's always going to be plenty of time to get into draft coverage. We have another two months of this. So hang tight. It's wild to me that people actually think I want to trade Lonzo. 
Dude, you no, no, you don't get to do this, Anthony Irwin. I do too. You do this to yourself. You listen, know exactly what you're doing when it. you do when you tweet crap like this. <laughs> I do not want to hear the oh, people don't understand me. You know exactly what you're doing. Listen to how I phrased it, okay? I said, quote yeah, Notice how he doesn't actually address what I just said. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, go ahead. Listen to how I phrase it. Wonder if trading Lonzo moves the Lakers high enough to draft Morant. Double check for spelling, hit send, yeah, this will end well. You can't tell the sarcasm in there? Like they, they, there's like a no, very, you, you know, it's, it's you like saying like, <laughs> yeah, I know I'm trolling you right now, but I'm still going to do it. That's what that says. <laughs> I'm getting a little nervous about co-hosts understanding like the, <laughs> <laughs> I sunk your battleship. Yeah, I'm going to have to start looking for one who's like, who has no experience with me whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's, let's start here. So we, we've, we've been talking a ton about, you know, last show, the entire last show was all about the Lakers not having enough shooting and, and the domino effect that that had across the roster and for the rest of the season. Right. So obviously to say like the Lakers need shooters in the draft. Okay, fine. Fine. But I think it, it matters which positions that shooting comes from. Right. Hmm. It, mm-hmm. To me, we know. So if the Lakers draft somebody who plays the same spot as LeBron and can shoot, well, that kind of limits, you know, especially if they keep Ingram. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can't it, it's the, the, the fit was already awkward this year. We saw it being awkward when they had to start Kyle Kuzma at the two or Brandon Ingram at the two. Right. And and so to me, like, not only do I care that the player that they draft is able to shoot, but also I care that that player is able to play alongside uh, without having to do too much craziness with lineups that matter. Does that make sense? It does. And I, I think that's fair. Um, that said, with the draft and the very nature of it, like if you've got the 10th pick, what are your odds of drafting a starter in mm-hmm. the NBA? They've done studies on this, and I don't remember exactly what the 10th pick is, but it's less than 50 percent, you know, yeah. and I'm always – I'm always really hesitant to put extra filters on top of that where like it's hard enough to find this guy anyway. And then, okay, we need a guy who can shoot and we need a guy who's a little bit older and all of that. That That's why I'm a little more, unless there's a guy you love at number 10 and that could be something that, that tilts the, you know, the scales, but I'm if he's a three, four, right. Even though we've got a ton of those and he can hoop and he's the dude that you like that you really believe. in. I, I still think you draft him, even if he does not fit in with the, the rest of the team. And that's kind of why I think that you, you need to move the pick is because I think that when you start drafting forfeit, especially at that point in the draft, th- that's when you get into trouble. Like, Oh, he's the guy type of guy that we needed, but he's just not very good. And NBA rosters turn over so much and so quickly that you know, maybe he fits in a next year's team a little bit better. Would you rather? Would you rather move? It, there's, I don't know why it would come down to this hypothetical, but would you rather move a Josh Hart slash Kyle Kuzma or the pick? It depends on what I'm getting back. So if you're getting Hart. back, if you let's say so, not to move up or down in the draft because we could do that till the cows come home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're getting, if you're getting the uh, the equivalent of, oh man, who would be the? 
Here, like, what, if what are you, you thinking if you of that? Get, like Casey, like uh, the equivalent of KCP on a three on a two or three year contract at like six million dollars. Like that okay. that type of a player. I don't I don't know if that player is out there or whatever, but just like a a consistent KCP at like six between six and eight million dollars for the next two years. I would trade the pick. Yeah. Before I'd trade Hart or or Kuzma in that circumstance. Part of it is because their salaries are so low and they're still cost controlled over the next couple of years, but they're also older. It's the same concept, right? Like Kuzma is going to be what? 25 next year. Josh will be 24. I think maybe 25 as well. Um, so those guys are still going to be a lot more ready to do what we want to do right now. Now this is not Again, in my if I ruled the world type of space, I would love to build slow and build strong and a nice foundation of young players while we try to add max talent on top of that so that we can they can be the supporting cast while those guys are in their prime. And then as they decline, those guys are starting to step into that. That's what I always wanted. And when we pretty soon especially after this summer, we're going to go back and think about how the Lakers have handled things over all of these years. Mm -hmm. And my biggest complaint is that like, you could have had it all, you know, and you could, have if you manage this correctly, it didn't have to be this short little window where it's like, Oh, we gotta, gotta win a title with LeBron in the next two years. You could have been a a contender for a decade. And we will, I think go over how that could have happened and should have happened. But, if we are in this window of we got to win alongside LeBron, to me, Kuzma and Hart are more valuable than the 10th pick. Yeah. What was the analogy you used before the season? It was like standing up on a hill. The cows? Yeah. The cows? Yeah. They, they, they charged in. They got all excited yeah. and they scared off all the cows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, People who didn't hear that have no idea. If you've never seen, uh, seen the movie Colors, a uh, great cop movie from – cop and gang movie from like 1988, there's a story where two cops are sitting in the car and Robert Duvall tells a story about two cow, two bulls talking to each other at the top of the hill and they see a bunch of cows down at the bottom. So, mm-hmm. And then you, yeah. can, you can piece in the rest. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think – It's tough because what you and I identify as the best aspect, the only real aspect I feel I have confidence in with the Lakers is that scouting department, right? Sure. But because of the window, the the because of the window the Lakers are operating under, that value gets mitigated a little bit. It makes it me nervous. I'm I have some degree of confidence in Magic and Palenka's ability to get a second max guy. I feel like you're good at the things that you care about, and it's so obvious to me that that they really only care about getting stars, and all of the other stuff is really doesn't matter that much at all. Yeah. Like I would kill. So say we get Kawhi this summer, right? Mm-hmm. I would kill to have Brook Lopez as the five alongside Kawhi and LeBron James. Yeah. He is a perfect fit next to them. Do you think Brook Lopez is really going to want to come back to the Lakers after how that no whole experience shook out? Right. And, and so. So, but the fact that they care so much, and even Magic has said, if we don't get the second guy, it's this is a failure, right? Since that's what they care about, that's what I expect them to be good at. So I do have some degree of confidence in them that. Yeah, although it, it, I'm a little nervous about the pool that they're like. All right, so they they seem to think that, or there seems to be some optimism there regarding Kawhi. But are, is there a single player out there that you can? That you can jot down and say, okay, this is the guy I think the Lakers are getting. No, not at all. And and like if you're if you're if you're operating with that 
being the the known here or the unknown. I, I guess, like, I would just go back to what I what I know the Lakers are actually good at. We're we've yet to actually find out whether the the Lakers front office, this front office, is actually good at what they think they're good at, right? Because you can say yes, they got LeBron James, they convinced him to come here. But we've also found out that from, from there have been several reports and there has been a ton of speculation, a ton of smoke coming from the fact that he was going to come anyway. Right. And that's totally possible. I feel like that's like they still got him. And I don't think they, he comes if it's Mitch and Jim no. running it. And so like, Do you think he comes if it's Jerry West running it? Hell yeah. Hell yeah, <laughs> right. dude. And that's the thing. I was arguing with somebody about this today about like, dude, we you, did you see that clip from the Stephen A. Smith show of magic talking in summer it, league versus Jerry West? And it was just so like, oh, man, this one is a gut punch. Mm-hmm. And like, look, it's great that they brought in Max guys. I also don't think that they're the only people who could have brought in Max guys. Yeah. I think that like we look at it too much through a Jim and Mitch or magic and Palenka. Right. Well, like they're not the only people that could run yeah. this team. And the Lakers brand is so strong. Like if you build a, a really good fun team, is magic Johnson really the only person that can bring in a LeBron James yeah. to this type of, I, I just don't believe that. So yeah, West could totally could have done it. It's, it's to me, the fact that, that pool seems so limited to people is yeah. a pretty bad statement about the Lakers, right? About the about the way the Lakers are perceived. Is that is that this idea that if I criticize Magic and Palinka, it's it's only a statement. The only retort to that criticism is, well, would you rather have Jim and Mix, Mitch? And to which I would say, like that th- those. What? <laughs> yeah, like none yeah. of the above maybe is the right answer to that, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so final final thing before we get out of here then. Is there a team or a player in particular that you have your eye on during this tournament? Yeah, we, we really did not get into the draft process. We didn't, but you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> so you've got, you know, you got Ja, and obviously Ja, I think, kind of – Took the basketball world by storm, Good right? Lord, everybody, idiot. everybody was watching. Um, I'm fanning myself. Brandon Clark out of Gonzaga mm-hmm. is a, a really interesting kid. He's kind of a, a a guy who's able to contribute in non-scoring ways. Defender does a, the little things. He's. I'm not saying he's stylistically similar to Draymond, but he's that type of guy that does like a little bit of everything helps your team win. Um, mentioned Deandre Hunter earlier. I really like uh, PJ Washington out of Kentucky. He had a, um, I, I believe he entered the draft last year. If he's the same guy that I'm thinking of, mm-hmm. I really liked him at the NBA draft combine last year. So those are three guys that I, I was uh, interested in. How about you? I like that Zion Williamson kid. He seems like he might be all right. See, like you got I said, a futurist scout. Anthony, you <laughs> uh, I, I again, I think I gotta, I gotta watch more. I gotta buy into a little bit more before I can get into specifics here. I do the, the people that you mentioned, Clark especially, is somebody who I really have my eye on. Um, and he's considered. It's like one thing that one thing that I I have figured out i have air quotes while i say figured out is there are people who are just exponentially better than i am at at understanding the draft stuff right sure there are the the cosmoses on online danny chow uh kevin o'connor of the ringer uh obviously mike mike schmidt is or or jonathan uh 
Yeah, Mike Schmitz and Jonathan Giveney. Yeah, like those. There are just people who who seem to get these things better and are just going to understand these things better than me. And so, if I see a lot of their analysis, and it and oh, Sam Vecini, who is going to be on the show after mm-hmm. after March Madness, um, th- when I hear all those guys agree on a certain type of player and that player fits sure. the mold that mm-hmm. I need of the Lakers. That's that's where I start my analysis. And I and you know that's that's the advice I would give to those of you listening to the show right now. I understand what I am I what I am not best at. And as such, uh, I will bring people onto the show who understand that stuff too. But if you see a bunch of these guys starting to agree on a player who might be in that range for the Lakers, those are the names to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. One of the things as somebody who I'm very much a specialist in the type of content that that I do, you've got locked on NBA, you've got a much broader like you know range in terms of I'm what a you do. Ranged idiot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I do like one thing, and one of the like. One of my biggest pet peeves is when fans from other teams like tell me the yeah. tendencies of like Lakers players. And I'm like, look, look, <laughs> like I'm not saying I'm the smartest guy in the world, yeah. but I spend like 60 plus hours a week on this. Yeah. And if you spend 60 plus hours on the week on uh, 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 if you spend 60 plus hours a week on this, you'd be really good at this, too. Yeah. And but it's like it's frustrating to to have people like are like you don't know everything about everything. Right. Right. And so like guys like Sam and Danny Chow and Mike Schmitz and all those dudes like they're going to be way better at this than yeah. we are because they do this all year long. Yeah. So that doesn't mean they're right about every one of their take. That's not how it works. But if you give them a hundred different takes and then you give my dumbass a hundred different takes <laughs> on that, that does not have the same type of time put in. They're going to be right more out of those hundred times and the hundred times that I'm going to be right. So that's just how it works. Yeah. And, and, and to me, what's important is that, you know, those who, those who have those strong points understand they have those strong points, but they would also I would imagine any of those guys would come to would come to you or maybe come to me and say like, OK, you, they would ask me about Lakers stuff. I would ask them about draft stuff. Oh, they, they do. Like Mike, yeah. Kevin O'Connor. Like we talk whenever I see those. I can barely ask Mike questions whenever I see him. I love Mike Schmitz. Mike's, yeah. Mike's one of my favorite dudes. He lives on the same block that I do. Right. And whenever I see him, he's always asking me Lakers questions because he knows that's the t- that's the time yeah. that I put in. And it helps his education to get like a, a shorthand on this is what the Lakers are up to right now. And then when I can get a word in edgewise, I ask him about <laughs> guys that he likes in the draft. But that's the whole that's the whole thing. Right. Is like yeah. you spend all the time on this and you're not a complete idiot. <laughs> like, what is it that you have to say on this? Exactly, exactly. So I promise as we go through, you know, March Madness and as we get closer to the end of the season, we are going to talk a lot about what we are going to be watching uh, in this tournament. But for today, it was kind of nice to just bullshit for a bit. So that's, yeah. what, uh, that's what we offer today. So that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Lakers podcast, again, presented in part by Himalaya and by DraftKings and by... Ooh, there was an oh my bookie. Uh, have a great rest of your weekend. Make somebody else's, and I'll talk to you again on Monday. Get your questions in. <laughs>